Welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt Corney. This is Matt. I'm it's getting to the end of this video, so we seem to be getting a little punchy. Yeah, we are, but do you know what we do, Matt? We talk about the do-do's and, and the don't-do's don't do's of personalized learning. Yes, we do. And we say that at the start of every show, even though you try really hard not to. Well, you know, we don't need to read their script anymore, and therefore I just try to, like, change it up and see what happens. You know what? Learners like consistency, Matt. Adults and fair point. Like. <laughs> so let's talk about that. So today we're going to talk about modeling. Modeling. So we did this a couple weeks ago at a at a presentation that we both had, and some of the feedback we got was really positive about this is what it looks like in a classroom. Yeah. And I like how it's broken down into chunks and let us have some work time. Right. And right. it was really exciting that people actually noticed. For one, because yes. sometimes you don't. Sometimes they people don't really notice when you're modeling. Right. So, yeah. you know, you go to a conference and what usually happens when you're there for a day-long presentation, you sit and you... You sit and get. Listen and go on Facebook, take notes, <laughs> wonder when lunch is, yeah. that sort of thing. But the way, the way we set that up is just little pieces at a time. Yeah. So, I actually think it freaks people out at first. That, oh, it does. Right? You know, because like we wander, just like we treat it as if it was like an actual classroom and they were young learners and we were right. the, the adults in the room. And yeah, it freaks people out. And uh, this last, last week, that was last week, right? Uh, whatever that was. It was like, last yeah, week. Yeah, yep. you know, I was walking around and you could see people like looking over their shoulders because they had Facebook up and stuff. And it was like, you know. It, it's they just, did. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Oh, I gave them detentions. Oh well, it didn't matter to me. <laughs> so. And I took their computer away because clearly they can't handle them. Oh, we'll talk about that one at the end of this one. Okay. Then. I give up that. Let's remember, try to remember that. So, I one some of the pieces of feedback that that I really liked was, you let us do stuff mm. after you gave us some information. Right, it and was, yes, That right was away. really the, the best, yes, right away. Right away. So it's not, okay, we're going to talk all morning, and then you're going to talk about it at lunch, and then we're going to talk at you all afternoon. Right. It was like piece of information, work, practice. Yeah. Recover, come back, <laughs> and then go to our next one. Yeah. Work, practice, recover. Yeah. New piece. And that right. went on all morning, all afternoon. Yep. All the next morning, all the next afternoon. Yeah. So instead great. of two days of just sit and get, the, the feedback was great. Now, so why do we do modeling like that for adults? Well, we do it for the same reason we model for learners because. Um, but adults are adults, Courtney. They're not learners, are they? Yeah, they are. We're all learners. Aww. Yeah. And any time. sounds so positive and sweet. It is. Anytime you're trying to do something new, you got to, you have to. You have to see it, you have to hear it, you have to feel it. Like you can't just, especially with something as often abstract, I think, as personalized learning. Yeah. And I think, I call it abstract because I think for people who are making that transition, it is abstract because they don't necessarily have the structures and constructs in mind to 
to envision it in their own minds, which is the same, which is the truth for our young learners. You know, when we want them to um, write, you know, an argument, for example, they generally don't have those constructs and things in their mind, so we have to model it for them. It's the same for adults. Right. It's not just like you should know this by now because you're a human. It's like, no, you have to like kind of see it in action, right? Yeah. So when we talk about the adults, uh, what you're just saying reminds me of the articles we've talked about in the last few weeks or so about personalized learning which is you plop in front of a computer computer. and then you just let them go and, you know, check on them every so often. And if you don't really have those constructs, as you said, if you don't really know what it looks like, then how are you going to know? So it's not their fault, which is what the the whole personalized learning articles about computers is is really valuable. It's like they don't really know what to do other than that. So that's why modeling it, the, the feedback we always get is, Oh, we, we can do that. Yeah. Or, or teachers we send to go to other places and, and, and see the feedback is, oh, well, now that I've seen it, we can do that. We can do that. That's not or that like, hard. Or that's only a couple tweaks from what is happening now. Now, right. you and I work in districts where this work is very far along. Yeah, so absolutely. It makes sense when we send teachers for them to say that. If you're in a district that is still more on the traditional paradigm, um, going to visit a highly personalized classroom could induce stress if it is not also paired with some modeling and experience of that by the teachers. So you we know, had professional development. We had some people show up to our district this week that had some previous work with with the modeling at a conference or so, but actually wanted to go see classrooms. Mm. And the feedback that was given to us was, well, now that I've seen it. We can do that. Yeah. And these are in districts that are not nearly as far along as yours and mine. Right. It's it's like we can do it now that we've seen it. Now we have something in mind. We have that framework. We have that construct yeah. in our head. Right. And now I want to go and throw it all throw out all my desks in my room was the first thing. <laughs> and you know, realizing that's not the point. Yeah. But that's a great first step right. to really change up what school could be like. Yeah. And and I love that feedback. Because it was like you can get talked to all day long, right? But if you're if you're working in, in listening to some things that are being modeled correctly, yeah, or at least decently, in my case, kind of okayly, but you then you take that next step, right? Yes. And you see, I yeah. can do that. I can do it. And then you take it back to your own school, and you can do it. Yeah, you can. Anybody yeah. can do this. Yes. With a, a little bit of thought, a little bit of work. Yeah. Listen to us a little bit more. <laughs> then yes, take that. We've always said, a little bit at a time. A little bit at you a time. You can't yeah. do everything all at once. No. But getting, well, you. I mean, you could. Well, you can. Yeah. <laughs> I, we really wouldn't suggest do. it, yeah, but I don't but you it. can. But but one of the first steps I think is, um, is what we get back to in in today's podcast is modeling for your kids what it looks like. So when you say model what, what a writing and argument paper looks like and really modeling that and... Yeah, see, here's you know? the thing. Like, modeling is not just telling how. Right. It's not. It's right. much more complicated than that. It's showing how and then explaining why. Like, so there's two pieces to modeling. Um, and I feel like modeling is one of those 
you know, like teacher buzzwords that's just like, oh yeah, I model all the time. Right. Do you, are you really standing in front of the learners, adult or otherwise, mm -hmm. and doing what it is you want them to do and then like voicing over what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. If you're not, that's not modeling. Right, that's just telling. That's just telling and telling doesn't work, period. Um, okay. Telling doesn't work. <laughs> that's, so you that's got true. you got a model, and um, it's easier for more physical um, tasks or skills. Like it's it's pretty easy to model, like you know, dribbling a basketball and kind of talk through. But it's the cognitive tasks and skills that are really complicated to model. It's possible. Um, you just have to you have to think through it more, and you have to be a little bit more intentional about like, okay, what is it I'm doing? And then why am I doing this? Um, but we do that all the time, and we called them step backs. Right. Last when we were with this group last yep. week, where we would do something, and then we would pause and say, "Okay, this is what we did." You know, like make it very explicit. Like right. so, we um, we spent a lot of time building culture, right? And so we continually said, you know, okay, like we're building culture. We need to do this because personalized learning can't is dead on arrival without a culture that supports learner agency um and like a learning community feel so you know we started with okay we're going to do the vision right this is these are the steps now you do it and then we pause and said okay what did we do how did it work we did it this way because um and things like that and so that's this that's the key to modeling and i think that any districts out there that are want to move in the direction of learner-centered proficiency-based or, or personalized learning or even mass customized learning. Like, I mean, they're all kind of synonymous at this right. point. Um, you need to seriously think about embedding your staff in that environment. You can't just stand up and say, here are your learning targets, now go, now you have to create personalized learning plans and now you have to have now you have to meet all the learners at their different levels like right. you have to actually show them how to do it and explain why you're doing what you're doing right so we've always said that it's those two parts those two main parts yeah when one is culture and one yeah. is some type of progression learning target system yeah whatever that looks like yeah. in a particular district but but I think you're absolutely right when you say you can't do one without the other no or, well no. you can but it then, won't work but it won't work right, right. you have to have them both so when you when you talk about step backs, uh, I think it's pretty clear what you said that we do that for adult learners. Yeah, and it's pretty obvious. Would you do the same thing for our young learners? Yeah, you do. It's not as meta, meaning like I I don't step back and I don't encourage. Cheat. I, I suppose you could, but it would be weird, especially with the younger ones. Um, you don't need to step back and like explain your management. You know, like why you have them in small groups, or why you know when you say this particular thing, you want them to do that. Like, but as far as for the academic skills, you know, the procedures and declarative knowledge you're teaching them, yes, absolutely. Yeah. If I want my learners, let's say I'm in a science class and we're practicing observation, and I just say, "All right, let's go outside and just observe the clouds." just look at them and write down what you see, that's not enough. I need to stand in front of them and say, okay, so first I'm gonna look up at the clouds and I'm gonna start to notice things about them. I'm gonna notice the shapes, I might notice 
how fuzzy they look or not. I might notice the color and then I would stop and say, okay, learners, did you see what I just did? I had I followed some steps. First, I actually looked at the object I wanted to observe. Then I thought about different characteristics, and then I wrote them down. Let me see you try that now. Like, that's modeling. By the way, that whole time, Courting was actually looking up at the clouds. Oh, totally. Yeah, because, like, it's so in me to, to, like, <laughs> to really do it. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Even yeah. in front of a microphone in a room right here, <laughs> she just was looking up at the clouds. I was modeling, looking at the clouds. It was great. It was great. <laughs> so uh, I like you how you said that you don't necessarily not talk about the the management aspect of that on why you're doing that, but I think you could do that with older older kids, I D- agree. depending on depending on you know how they are. And, and but I'm thinking of older kids, you know, high school kids mainly. Yeah. Oh, totally. You could easily talk about why you're doing something. Not necessarily for buy-in, but so they kids want to know things, right? Right. Well, I think so you why are you them... doing school different necessarily, yeah. right? Why are you doing it different in Mr. Shay's room than in Miss Boylan's room, right. for instance? And why are we doing this? They'll ask those questions, but if you just model it and tell them explicitly, yeah, they're smart enough to be like, oh well, that sounds reasonable right that makes sense okay yeah so it's not just oh i'm in a small group today and tomorrow it'll be individualized and tomorrow i'm with a partner and why am i doing all of this yeah so tell them tell them why yeah i can see that working really well with older learners um even you know middle schoolers and up i think for sure because at that point we want them to be taking on even more agency in creating the learning environment right like with the little ones you still need to have you know, you're not gonna let. You're not gonna say to a group of kindergartners, "Hey, how should we run our class today?" Like these are the, you know, the skills we have to do. Like me, like some of them might come up with like small groups, but you know, mostly no. You as the teacher right. are organizing. Absolutely. All that. But Absolutely. the older they get, yeah, the more involved they can be. So the more they understand the reasoning behind the different structures you're using, the better. The more power they have to actually. Well, they can take those skills and use them. In the rest of their life too. Oh, that right? too. Because we're not right. just teaching academics here. We're trying to teach those guiding principles or 21st yeah. century skills or whatever way you right. want to call them. That's something they can take back because oh, I've done this before and it worked well for me. So now I'll do that. Exactly. Rather than just you know sit in rows and listen to somebody talk to me. Right. They have again more agency that they've created on their own. Yeah. 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 So modeling is extremely important. I think it's something we hear a lot from teachers when they do have, um, what is it? It's like, it's, I think it's B. McGarvey calls it like prison and service days. That always cracks right. me up. Right, <laughs> <Yeah, does>. like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, really you know, good. But, but a frequent um, piece of feedback that I've seen over the years as I've been involved in you know staff development is like, uh, show us how to do this. Like more right. action, like more, yeah. you know. More doing less theory. More doing less theory. So yeah, the teachers want it. Yep. And it makes a difference. It does make a difference. So that is our part for today. But yeah. I do have something else. Yeah. Oh, you do. Yeah, I know, I, I remember. Say, it. You yeah. wanted to, yes. <laughs> Usually I don't remember these, these writing them down and I have written nothing down here. Nice job. So I was reading an article, uh, I think it was... I originally saw it on Dan Meyer's email, and it's about a distraction box. And the headline is what got me. <laughs> it was about cell phones yeah. in schools. 
and cell phones in schools is like the hot button issue, right? Here we go. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, when you see cell phones in schools, the the default is usually take them away, give them to me as the teacher, because it distracts you. You can't handle the phone. Right, but they can. Well. So I saw this thing, and it was for a middle school teacher that did this, and they they had they called it a distraction box. And so he was setting up the culture right from the first day of school about if something is distracting you or distracting others or distracting the classroom environment in general, whatever that is goes into the distraction box. And here's why and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of culture building, that sort of thing. So if kids come in with a phone and I know that I am just going to get on Facebook during the day and not do my math. That I've and set you're up the that, kid that brought and the I'm phone. the kid, yeah, okay. and I'm the kid, yeah. and and that culture has been set that it's not a punishment, it's not a nothing. I'm just going to go drop it in the box. I'm going to potentially put my laptop in the box or put, you know, <laughs> my little fidget spinner in the box. Can you put your best friend in the box? But that was part of it. <laughs> It's like, we need a bigger box because Billy is being a pain today. It's like, well, not quite that big. That's really funny. But the, the teacher was writing that it was really, really successful yeah. because they'd set up the culture for one, which yeah. was the key. And it wasn't about the teacher saying, Courtney, that's distracting you. Give me your phone. No, it was setting up they like, were doing self-monitoring. It right. That's beautiful. So if it was distracting then they, it goes in the box. If my cell phone isn't distracting me and I can actually use it for you know, a calculator or whatever I, I might need to, to help me support, do what I'm doing, and it's not a distraction, then I get to keep it. Right. But it's my choice unless somebody else says, that's really bugging me because it looks like you're playing Tetris and I hear the music or can something like that. And then so, I'm assuming you get to take it out at the end of, or when yeah. you feel you're ready to have it back. Exactly. Like, Exactly. I don't know if this was like a... This was part of it. This yeah. was part of it. So th- he said his old policy used to be, I collected all the cell phones. Uh, when somebody kept it, they had to put it in my hand. If they didn't want to do it, they put it in my hand. They couldn't back it till the end of the day. Right. If they threw a fit, they would get it back in the office. And he said none of these rules ever worked. No, they don't. So I wanted to come up with the box. So they designed the box, but it was part of their culture building at the beginning of the year. And I thought it was really... Interesting. And you know what I bet that teacher did? What's that? Modeled. What? Yeah, I'm sure that teacher did. Modeled how to self-monitor to see if something is distracting you. They actually did. Yeah. So we will link to it in the show notes. That's that's amazing. I really, really like everyone do that. That's like an awesome learner agency piece right there, understanding yourself as a learner. There was one downside to it. Well, of course. Nothing's great. So the box was listed distraction box in Comic Sans font. That's the only downside you've got? It's a horrible downside. That's an awful font. <laughs> so anyway, I think You're we're done such today. such a high school teacher. Oh, I, it's so true. <laughs> it can't all go away. All right, so we're done for this week. Uh, It's coming up to the end of the year, so if you're listening to this and school is still going on, we hope you're enjoying the end of your year, uh, approaching summer, because we are. So we may or may not be back shortly, like in the next few weeks. Yeah, if not next week, definitely the week after. Definitely the week after that. Next week's a little iffy. Yep. Um, But anyway, we'll talk next time. (laughs) 